0: Hey, it's Mark. The COVID-19 pandemic challenged health systems on multiple fronts. From the early surge in cases and hospitalizations to the steep drop-off in outpatient volume and elective surgeries, all of the capacity, supply, and workforce challenges have been well-documented. But for marketers, COVID has also presented an opportunity to redefine the relationship a health system has with its patients. As MMM and has observed, the pandemic revealed in excruciating and sometimes tragic ways that we're all patients now. And with the consumer revolution perhaps finally coming to healthcare, what are health systems doing to increase their relevance to consumers in this post-COVID world? To the extent that they're still viewed by patients through the lens of quote-unquote sick care, how are marketers shifting focus away from the transactional aspects of the health system and more as pre-illness destinations for healthy living? This week on the podcast, how New York's largest health system is changing how it seeks to motivate, inspire, and change consumers' relationships with the hospitals, clinics, doctors, and nurses that serve them. I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing and media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. My special guest this week is Ramon Soto, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Communications Officer for Northwell Health. Northwell Health is New York's largest healthcare provider with a network of 22 hospitals and nearly 800 community and research facilities. Ramon presided over the Northwell rebrand in 2015 and is now in the midst of an extreme makeover of its marketing, analytics, and comms functions. We'll speak with him about his career climb, how he's reframing Northwell in the minds of patients, and leveraging data and analytics to meet new consumer expectations. Ramon, welcome to the MMM Podcast. Mark, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So I read about how, as a young person, you lived with a chronic illness, which was perhaps a formative experience. And so I'd like to start by asking you to talk about what motivated you to get into the healthcare space, your background and career climb.
1: So Mark, thanks for the question. I was uh, born a marketer's marketer after I graduated uh, college. I went right into Madison Avenue, spent about seven years on different accounts, had a chance to do uh, about a seven-year stint at General Electric did about 11 years at Aetna. And at Aetna, I learned to speak the healthcare language. I also had a glimpse at how healthcare really needed to change to be uh, an advocate for consumers and to help guide them through their healthcare journey. It was really interesting to observe that healthcare really is a mystery. When a health event happens, uh, you're, you're trying to demystify it for yourself and you're seeking out the healthcare professionals who are going to guide you down this journey. And it was while I was at Aetna that uh, I had discovered I had an autoimmune issue that um, really set me back in a pretty profound way. Lots of pain, lots of time stuck in bed, an uh, inability to just do the, the regular daily activities of living. And uh, luckily, I had some great doctors. I got to a better place, and I'm in a great place now. But it shocked me, honestly, to its core on how much we don't know about health and the healthcare journey. And it really motivated me to use uh, the marketing skill set for the benefit of consumers, not just to push consumption, not just to be transactional, but uh, to help individuals take the journey.
0: Wow. Okay. So I'm sure that really uh, informs uh, the work that you're doing now. Absolutely. does. And you were hired by Northwell in 2015 um, to execute a rebrand to the name Northwell and making it a quote unquote destination healthcare brand. So you had that going on and you started to see some success in that regard. And then came COVID. Uh, and New York, of course, became the first major epicenter of the pandemic back in March 2020. Um, how did that kind of impact your work as, as a CMO?
1: Yeah, so, first of all, I've been at Northwell for almost eight years now, and uh, it really is uh, an amazing job, uh, and I'm obsessed with my job. because we have a lot of degrees of freedom to define how we interact with consumers. And that that whole vision was tested when COVID hit. Um, You know, we're all very tired of COVID, and I think society has moved on. But if you reflect back in the darkest of days, um, when something was happening through society, a lot of people were showing up at emergency departments, people were dying at home. There were no treatment options. It was, I would describe it as the best of times and the worst of times. So on the best times side, I've never been more proud to work for an industry that ran towards the flames to keep us all safe. I've never been more proud to work with a team of individuals, my marketing communications uh, team who really, from day one, built a, a strategy to inform consumers, fill the marketplace with information because there was such a lack of it, and uh, really lead individuals to this place of knowledge and safety when there was so much uncertainty. You know, when you reflect back to those moments, luckily we got through it. We had another few waves of COVID. We're, we're in, a, we're in a, a better place now. Uh, over a million people have died. Life expectancy has dropped by three years in the United States. It's a tough place. On the good side, kind of healthcare before COVID was a very low interest category. Typically, consumers would not uh, really think about healthcare. It was one of those things in the background until you really needed it. And then it became a super high interest category. I think COVID's kind of reset the dial a little bit. I think we're all a little bit more um, thoughtful about our mortality and um, what happens if we don't have our health. And I think that's kind of reset the opportunity to have a conversation with consumers that we really were not having before. And that, in turn, has set off a whole set of of initiatives within Northwell to take advantage of that window of opportunity and um, take a different uh, journey with individuals.
0: Yeah, sure. It's, so, uh, I like how you put that. It's kind of reset the opportunity. And we'll, we'll get that in, into that more in a moment. You know, earlier this year, I had the opportunity to interview Stephen Clasco, who was the, was the former president and CEO of Thomas Jefferson University and Jefferson Health down in Philadelphia. And he noted that healthcare marketing has not kept pace with other industries because it's been allowed to not keep pace. One, Healthcare doesn't exist in a market driven system. And two, it's easier to run a $50,000 billboard than to try and do some of the consumer segmentation work that Amazon or Google or others have to do. So, you know, in, in given that COVID presented this opportunity to reframe, to reset that, uh, that relationship, how do you, th- how are you thinking about engaging consumers in this era of care anywhere and, and patients increasingly digital sure. lifestyle?
1: Uh, so first of all, I, I know Steve well, and uh, I love what he did with Jefferson while he was there. Really transformative leader, uh, big thinker with a capital B, and uh, really a transformative change agent for, for healthcare. care. Uh, I, I would push back on his uh, analysis on the marketing side just a hair. I, I do think in general he's right. I don't think the, the state of marketing, particularly for health systems, is in a good place, uh, but I can tell you when I came on board in 2015, our CEO had this wonderful observation about how healthcare was changing and how we had to take the journey with consumers uh, very differently. And that we needed a new brand to reflect that new relationship opportunity and new direction. But we also needed a world-class marketing capability, not to talk at individuals, but to have a relationship with them. So uh, back in 15, we uh, established the, the charter, the, the paradigm. And it's all about knowing our customers and who they are, where they are in their journey, reaching out and having a dialogue with them, uh, not talking at them, but engaging with them, uh, taking a longitudinal view of how they consume healthcare. You know, one of the challenges is healthcare refers to their interactions with individuals as um, either health events or episodes of care, episodes of care, just think about that language that is self-defining as a transaction, a moment in time. And that's just not the way you and I uh, traverse healthcare. You know, typically there's a slow burn up to when you actually have your health event. And um, there are so many influences in terms of how you consume care. How do we as health systems become much more knowledgeable about those interactions? and how do we use those as triggers to have that ongoing conversation and you had mentioned this destination healthcare brand that's really the heart of the thing it's i want to have a relationship i want to be known to individuals well before the health event so that i'm not fighting for your mind share when you're going through a a heart issue or a neurological issue a stroke that's actually the worst time to be competing for somebody's mind share uh, the best time is to be known to them well beforehand as a resource that can take the journey with them. And that really has been the heart of what we've done. And we've seen um, we've seen dividends in terms of all of our brand metrics, um, awareness, consideration, um, likelihood to recommend, Uh, consumption net promoter score, and that has, uh, in turn, yielded volume for the health system that I think we would have left on the table if we didn't take this little bit more aggressive approach to how we market, how we tell our story, how we take the journey with individuals.
0: Sure. Um, With that new charter kind of playing out, can you talk a little bit about how it's changed the actual work you've, you've produced, you know, say from the, from the point of view of strategic marketing or the way you do yeah. clinical marketing or customer acquisition, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about it at the brand level, and then we can talk about it at the transactional level. At the, at the brand level, we do very traditional brand work, um, but we really strive to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace a challenge in the New York market—it's hyper-competitive. You know, it is a knife fight every day on the provider side, and uh, New Yorkers actually have an embarrassment of riches in terms of who they can partner with to get great care. Like, I, I tip my hat to all my competitors—they are very thoughtful, high-quality uh, shops. So, how do you how do you instill? A reason to believe that you're a better destination versus these other great competitors in your marketplace and part of the equation is differentiating how you message uh, in the marketplace how you you stimulate that uh, that relationship so there's a couple of ingredients there one if you just look at healthcare marketing nationally there's a lot of hope through fear Uh, there's a lot of um, I got injured, I got ill, I saw this great doctor, I just went to this great place, insert brand there. And uh, it tends to be non-differentiating work. Uh, we really have to think about why do consumers pick us, and then how do we engage in that storytelling. And part of the equation that we found is consumers want to believe that you give them the best chance for the best outcome. So we do have to talk about the clinical story. They're also concerned about um, how healthcare unfolds in society. So we tend to do quite a bit of social health, the 80% of healthcare factors that affect you well before you have a, a health event um, and talk about that. So uh, uh, the um, I think the industry jargon is social determinants of care, but there's a lot of things that are outrageous in society that we have to move to a better place. Um, you may not know this, but gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in America. Uh, in 19, it surpassed automobile accidents. That is a disgusting statistic statistic and healthcare has a right and an obligation to bend that curve in a very different way. And historically we have shied away from it because of the second amendment issue, the politics behind it. Uh, Northwell is taking a very active role starting about five years ago with the, the establishment of our gun violence prevention center to run at that issue and screen individuals when they come into our institution and uh, really have a different conversation with individuals to uh, identify those triggers literally um, that may, may make you susceptible to, to gun violence. Uh, we actually have a national campaign that's going, going to be going out in a few days that we're very proud of to engage parents, to have the conversation. Is there an unlocked gun in the house, particularly your house or a house that you visit? Um, you know, that's one really important dimension about differentiation, but we also try to tell the story very differently. So back in 19, we experimented um, with Netflix on creating a nine-episode docudrama called Lennox Hill. We filmed for about 18 months and uh, really allowed consumers to come in and see how we create value and how we engage with consumers and who our doctors were and how healthcare was not just a job. It was a mission. It was a lifestyle and the empathy with which we took the journey with individuals. All those things that you can't say in a 30 second spot. We tried to bring consumers in, engage with them, and have them understand how we are different, why we are different. Uh, that was incredibly successful. It's led to a second project uh, that will be launching in, that will be um, available on Netflix in January. Since then, um, we have projects with HBO, uh, National Geographic, Hulu. Uh, it's again, an opportunity to tell our story in a very different fashion, not speak at people, but have a conversation with them and allow them in to, to see our brand very differently.
0: Okay. Yeah. So telling your story in a very different way, uh, than, you know, has traditionally been done, uh, by hospitals and health systems.
1: I think that's a key part of it. Listen another, there's, there are so many components to it. Knowing our customers better than healthcare historically has, and unlocking the, the observations, the data so to create insights that allow us to have a little bit different conversation is so important as well. You know, how do we take our electronic medical record that has so much content in, embedded in it? but use that much more in a proactive fashion. We built our CRM platform back in 15. Uh, We bent about 18 pipes that had consumer information embedded in it, including our CRM. I have ICD-9, ICD-10, DRGs. I know when they call my call center. I know when they visit my website. I know the content that they're looking at when they visit my website. That can act as a trigger to have a much more personalized conversation on the next step that they need to take on their healthcare journey. Uh, We look at uh, the 50 million visits that consumers um, present us with on our digital platforms. And we really try to understand what are they trying to do and what are they trying to tell us? If you think about um, how a consumer digitally engages with an organization, uh, Amazon knows everything about you. Particularly when you visit their website, they know the products you're looking at, um, the products you purchased, the movies you like. Uh, they're regularly uh, recommending the, the next type of purchase or next type of, of uh, relationship opportunity that you might have with Amazon. Why does healthcare not do that? Uh, when a consumer is on a physician's profile, think of all the information that reveals the health condition that they're exploring, the type of doc that they're interested in, is it a surgery, is it primary care? That then beca- can become a gateway to get them tighter to and closer to the actual care that they need. Um, how do you use that knowledge and information to truncate the uh, the actual relationship and help them demystify the, the journey that they're on? And that's led to a whole host of innovations in terms of how we market.
0: Mm-hmm. So engaging with somebody who say is, you know, in their in their late 60s, you know, but has a couple of Apple Watches or other wearables and counts their steps versus a younger person who maybe is disconnected uh, versus say a, an 80 year old with cancer. You know, those are obviously very different consumers to engage with um, and, and they would prompt the marketer to to act differently um, and, and use different vehicles, you know, to to engage them. Um, and, and you said you've you've seen some some fruits of these of, of your labors here in terms of the results and the metrics. Can you elaborate a little bit there on what you're perhaps most proud of? Sure. Um,
1: yeah. So I'll talk. I'll go back to kind of our digital platform. We've been able to increase consumers' requests for services digitally probably a thousandfold since I've started. Probably over a thousandfold since I started just by being smarter about what are you actually trying to do and accomplish? So you go to a surgeon's website. um, If you think about that interaction, a consumer is looking at a doctor on your website. They have now exhibited the highest form of purchase intent that you can possibly have, right? They they are um, both highly qualified and a valuable indif- individual to pull through this, the system, the process. Uh, we, in turn, have stratified how we then interact with that individual from high touch to low touch based off of what they're actually doing and what they're searching on on our site. So it's led to this uh, whole engagement approach to guide them through to the actual consumption of care. It's actually led to some interesting challenges, which I would deem more as opportunities. If a consumer visits the site for a high-profile physician, but that physician doesn't have any time available for that, for that individual for months, most uh, healthcare organizations would in essence say, I'm sorry. We in turn are looking at opportunities to change that digital experience so that you don't actually hit a dead end. And how can we proactively make recommendations on other physicians or other services that can get that consumer closer to care? So maybe it's a doctor who's trained with the original doctor you're looking at, or um, another doctor that's highly recommended or a doctor that's closer to that individual who does have availability. So there's a whole host of mechanisms that allow us to get much more uh, closer to the individual on the transactional side. We also use data to trigger um, outreaches to individuals who may have gaps in care. We know we've seen you for a certain condition, and we haven't seen you for a while. You know, healthcare is actually not very good at pulling you back in. And we have a whole host of triggers that are tied to data observations that then reach back out to the individual to get them in and they have been highly successful the opener read rates are very high the click-through rates are very high the appointment bookings are very high uh, across the board so you know we've done a lot of experimenting in a test and learn fashion and now we're working on scaling a number of those programs Across the enterprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do you think uh, relatively few health systems in the nation have a full service in house marketing and advertising operation? And do you think the events of the last couple of years might change that?
1: You know, honestly, I think it's hard to do. And I think it gets back to Dr. Kelso's observation. Most health systems view themselves as primarily in the healthcare delivery space. And marketing has historically not been a core competency. We, for example, when we were setting up our shop, we analyzed consumer industries that were highly focused on interactions with individuals. We studied retail. We studied digital retail. We studied entertainment. We studied financial services. And we took our cues from how they went to market to build our shop. And then um, luckily got the investment to actually do that. Uh, and we're able to scale those programs uh, very quickly. You really have to have a progressive leader. You have to have uh, an open mind in terms of what marketing is and what marketing can do to you, do for your organization, and do to the relationship you have with the people who use your service. Um, it is a... Uh, you know, in in many health systems, particularly the more academically oriented, they tend to be... Um, Um, ideas that are generated from up top that are handed off to execution as opposed to a thought leadership center on how you redefine the relationship with individuals. Uh, Once you have embedded within yourself the charter to redefine that relationship and you have really strong operational relationships, you can do things that historically you couldn't do before. So we can bend those pipes you know, think about bending, bending 18 pipes of consumer information and the PHI implications. Most health systems are just shy about letting that stuff uh, free and lock it down. And uh, we, in turn, had a different mindset to unlock it and help us see the unseen. Um, we're lucky that we have the CEO that we have. I think healthcare has a long way to go to, to really rethink the model that they have from a marketing support uh, standpoint.
0: Sure, especially as there's a lot of uh, angst in this country about data privacy now, um, you know, with everything happening. Absolutely. Like, you know, you know, what's interesting about that comment, you
1: see all the time retargeting, right? So you click on a specific pair of shoes on Amazon and all of a sudden they're following you around the Internet for weeks. Um, nobody wants to search bariatric surgery on a website, on, on a health provider's website, and then have bariatric ads follow them for a week. Right, so it's a it's a new skill. How do you deploy it? How do you think about it? How do you um, how do you walk away from the ick factor that it can develop with consumers? And um, it's all frontier work. This is stuff that we just have not figured out that, that we as an industry need to figure
0: out sure okay so one last question for you ramon and i'll let you go you know going forward can you talk about what you feel is the the biggest challenge uh for you in terms of say northwell's uh, image or awareness more broadly um, and how you're evolving uh the your, your corporate campaign efforts to to address that
1: you know it's interesting i had a meeting with my my boss our ceo michael dowling yesterday And uh, he reminded me that he doesn't think it in terms of challenges, he thinks in terms of opportunity. So I'm afraid this is a little bit of an opportunity. I think there's a lot of forces at play that we have to watch out for. We're in a time of incredible transition. And uh, we're in a very turbulent time. You pick your poison, right? Economically, socioeconomically, geopolitically. I think how uh, we work is changing, how we live is changing. I think this is a really interesting reflection opportunity that the United States is going through. And all those forces of change are affecting healthcare in very different ways. So there's a, almost a societal distrust of institutions that we have to be very, very thoughtful about. Um, now, amazingly, and here's where I think the opportunity is. We own the patient doctor relationship. It's one of the most intimate relationships that exists in society. And I think there's a really interesting opportunity to rethink that, to continue to broaden this. How do we bend how consumers consume healthcare? How do we think about the wellness equation in healthcare so we're not just focused on that episode of care? And um, redefine the that that macro um, relationship while all these forces of change are pushing us and pulling us in different ways. I think if we can keep our eyes on that redefinition. And by the by the way, I think it's super hard. You know, we don't make money on the well on the wellness component. We don't make money on the wellness component. We make money when people are sick. That is somewhat of a perverse. We have to be in the business of keeping people out of our hospitals and keeping them healthy. Um, I think if we can navigate that turn, there is benefits for society. There is benefit for our organization. Um, I think we create a tremendous amount of value. And I think we have an opportunity to capture that back in terms of revenue and growth. That's probably what I'm I'm, uh, most excited about. You really have to be a change agent right now because the winds of change are here uh, and they're, they're they're gale force. But that's where I kind of get my energy. You know, give me a blank piece of paper and your hardest pro- problem, and um,
0: let me help work with you to think it through, and we can get we can all get to a better place. That's a nice note to end on. Well, thank you, Ramon. This is a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for joining us,
1: Mark. A pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Faylor. Our theme music is by Sizi M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.